Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Undone Podcast. This episode was recorded on May 9th, 2020 at 10.59 p.m. So I'm shooting from the hip here. This is almost nostalgic and reminiscent when I first started the Undone podcast back in, gosh, it must have been September of 2018. And, you know, if, I, if I'm being honest with myself, it's, it's been hard to stay consistent with this. Um, you know, whether, whether that's due to, you know, life, whether that's due to, you know, work-life balance, I'm not sure. Um, and, and I think it's been a personal journey for me, you know, these last few years to, you know, find meaning and find, you know, what is, you know, being true to myself. Um, you know, this last uh, week I celebrated a birthday. And if you know me, I... I really don't celebrate birthdays and it, it's complicated. It's, you know, on, on one hand, you know, I am, you know, thankful that I am able to experience what we call life at the time that we're at. But that brings me to a whole nother issue. And it's, it's been defeating. It's been disheartening and it's been alarming at the rate of misinformation and the amount of negativity that I've seen on my Facebook feed, on Twitter. And it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to be able to, you know, sit and digest you know, what is being said. And, you know, for example, it's it's mostly the conspiracy theories, I think, for me, that really have me distraught. Um, it was earlier this year that my girlfriend and I went and watched a TEDx talk here at home, and um, there was a speaker on conspiracy theories and she, you know, it was actually really wonderful talk and how the, you know, people come to believe in conspiracy theories more so than actual science evidence based problems. Right. And it, it almost makes sense why why people believe in conspiracy theories. There are simple explanations for complex, nuanced problems. And, I mean, we see that throughout all of history. I mean, let's, you know, go back to 19th century medicine to where if you are a, you know, a poor working peasant in London in 1840, uh, and cholera is breaking out. Well, the, the streets of London were so filled to the brim with, with uh, excuse my language, shit, that the, the smell, the putrid smell was, was overwhelming. And, and so what doctors in, in newspapers, you know, this is really good for, for fake news, um, the doctors and, and newspapers, because newspapers of the time in the 19th century were the only way for people to really communicate ideas and communicate them out uh, to the world. And the, these doctors would write in on Wednesday and they would say, hey, my name is Dr. Dunn and um, I know the solution for the cholera uh, by Dunn's cologne. Uh to you know get rid of the smell because they could only through their senses they could only smell 
you know the disease i mean cholera cholera was terrible it, it you know I, re- I read a good book um it's, it's called the ghost map and it's essentially john snow's investigation into solving the cholera epidemic in london and uh you know by the numbers of that day you know it killed upwards of fifty thousand uh londoners but it 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 was horrible you know especially there on baker street i mean if if you contracted cholera you probably had 48 hours to live and so throughout history you know we've had invisible armadas uh, attacking us you know uh, whether it was h1n1 in 2009 2010 or ebola in 2014 and zika virus uh, or, or now, you know, coronavirus, you know, this is not our, our, first, our first battle with microorganisms. Microorganisms have been around for tens of thousands, millions of years, uh, evolving alongside with us. Um, you know, we, it, it's very popular to, to talk about, you know, the, the age of man and the age of dinosaurs. But in all, if we're being honest, microorganisms have reigned supreme. And it, it brings me, you know, to, to a second thought of what, you know, my, my birthday. It, the, the older I get, the more... Not disenchanted. I, I think the more I am able to see the the finality of, of of life, and and that perspective and that observation, I think, is important because we we live such you know short lifespans in the grand scheme of things, blinks of an eye in the great purview of history and time. And it's times like in 2015, 2016, um, you know, I, I had suffered a, a terrible accident. Um, I, I was hit by an 18-wheeler. And, um, you know, it, it definitely changed the, the course of my life and, in, and the course of my family's life. Because on, you know, in one reality, you know, I'm, I'm not here anymore. But in this reality, I'm here. I, I lived uh, through extensive physical therapy, surgeries, and now, you know, recovery. I, you know, I'm, I'm fairly functioning, but with the, you know, event of a near-death experience, it, it really puts into perspective, well, you know, at any moment, that we essentially can go. And in, in these moments, you know, leading, if you told me then that I would live through a historical pandemic because, uh, you know, the, you know, four years ago was an entirely different world. And now the world we live in is, is hyper-polarized. And it, it's almost, you know, reminiscent of, the lead up to World War One in the you know twentieth century, and in in times of you know peace, uh, peacetime meant something different than it does now. Peacetime meant that at the current moment, I am not at war. Peacetime now means more so th- that there there has not been you know a, an actual hot war you know between of course first world countries amongst each other on a world war scale now wars are you know fought through you know cyber warfare and through economic means i mean we saw that in 2018 uh, with uh, the uh, trade war between um, china and the united states and it, it's it's even more concerning seeing you know, that take place because, you know, economic ramifications um, are, are horrifying. You know, uh, we, we've seen deaths of despair in the United States since 2017, you know, rise. Um, heck, even if you, you, you know, since my birth, 
you know, the life expectancy has risen. Um, and now it's, you know, times of pandemic and times of uncertainty. It, we, we see, we saw the uh, life expectancy uh, for a U.S. citizen actually drop. And I, I mean, it's, it's even more defeating uh, because something like a pandemic is is amoral it is it is a horrifying event a virus that essentially is neither living nor dead is causing so much grief and despair it 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 has no political agenda it has no agenda it is only there as a grim reaper to end life to multiply and end life and so I, I'm very defeated when it comes to, you know, fake, fake news and, and Facebook. Is the, the two really do coincide together. Um, on, on one hand, the access to information is probably one of the greatest achievements of humankind in the 21st century. If you told someone back in 1920 that you would have a device or devices that would be able to give you every single bit of information at the palms of your fingertips, you, they, they would think it's magic. They, they, they wouldn't be able to really comprehend that, much less if you go back to 1820. But what, what comes from that as well is the perversion and misuse of that technology. And we, we've seen it really in full force since, you know, the election of Donald Trump. And even more so during a pandemic, there, there are bad actors at play. And it's hard for me to not sit here and say that they aren't winning uh, you know, for, for example, I'll, I'll share a conversation that I had with a good friend of mine and uh, they they called me, you know, we're, we're cutting the dice and uh, they asked me, hey, have you seen that the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, cut the mortality from, you know, 60,000 deaths to 37,000 deaths? And... You know, since, you know, I think it was March 20th that I posted the last podcast, uh, The Four Horsemen, um, you know, I I really had, I, I have been, of course, keeping up with the news, but not so much that, um, you know, I'm not on it hour by hour, because that's all, that's in a way that, that's unhealthy, um, especially because, you know, the news is primarily more negative than it is positive, if we're being honest. And the things that does to the mind when you see, you know, uh, 150 deaths in this county and 2,000 deaths per day in the United States and uh, you, you see social unrest uh, overseas and you see, um, you know, the war drums starting to beat, which we'll, we'll talk about here later, um, it, it, it becomes, it takes a toll on the mortal mind that there's on this, you know, um, this impending doom, uh, hanging over your head. And, you know, I, I, for, for those, you know, for the listeners, I, I encourage you to, you know, step outside away from the news, stay informed, but be sure to be able to level and center yourself so that you're not overwhelmed with, you know, dread. But back to, to what my friend was saying, and, you know, they told me, hey, had you seen the CDC uh, dropped the mortality from, you know, 60,000 deaths to 37,000 deaths? And, you know, I, I, I fairly kept up to the point where, you know, something like that would be fairly newsworthy. Something like that would, you know be a game changer. That's great news, in fact. So to where, okay, COVID-19 isn't, you know, as bad, um, you know, hey, can you show me, like, hey, where'd you see that? You know, I kept asking, you know, where's the source? Um, you know, I, I, I think that's important for people to know. 
and uh, they they had only told me that. Uh, well, I just saw it on the news. I I really I'm not at my computer right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. And so uh, I'm looking. I'm looking for a source. And so you know I'm it, I'm seeing you know the opposite. I'm seeing you know deaths and infections are increasing. Whether the reproductive rate is you know. Uh, larger or smaller than what it was is, you know, something something entirely different. The R naught or the R E uh, being, you know, smaller w- w- would be to be expected. But in this case, I, I couldn't find anything, you know, saying the CDC, you know, keeping the deaths down. You know, searching on Worldometer or Johns Hopkins dashboard or um, even BNO, uh, th- there was nothing. And so instead, I said. Uh, you know, I was like, hey, I'm going to type this in. I'm going to search uh, CDC reduction in deaths. And, uh, the you know, a plethora of articles pop up from Business Insider, Forbes, um, uh, from Snopes, from, uh, you know, a multitude of, you know, news sources. Essentially, you know, it being fake news. And, you know, that that's alarming. Because nothing um, about, you know, the CDC reducing deaths, that's good news, but nothing that um, that I could find would back up, you know, my friend's claim. And, and that's concerning because even, you know, education doesn't necessarily mean you're smart. And if my friend's listening to this, I'm not saying that you're not smart. Uh, I think people are susceptible to confirmation bias and to wanting to form a reality uh, that is not the actual reality. And in a conversation between two people, there is four truths that I've come to find. There is one, the one person's truth, uh, two, being the other person's truth, and three, being the truth or the uh, truth that they were able to come to conclusion. But the fourth is the actual truth, and it is the objective truth. And it's concerning that, you know, in 2020, we're, we're living in a reality uh, that in in, a, in essence, a bubble of, of each other. We're, we're constantly trying to formulate and mold our lives and, um, and, and the truth to, to fit our perspectives. And that's, that's dangerous. And if anyone remembers uh, their intro to philosophy, uh, the great philosopher Plato, you know, one of these students of Socrates, who was literally killed by the Athenians, uh, Plato talked about, you know, Plato's cave. And I think it's a, an important allegory that, you know, Plato, Plato's cave plays in, you know, current, current era. So in Plato's cave, there are three prisoners that are chained up inside of a cave with, uh, they're unable to turn their heads and one of them, uh, well, before I jump to that, uh, they, as they're in that cave, there are objects and people moving behind them, and they see shadows. And these shadows, they, they, each of the three prisoners, they come to interpret them as different objects. Each prisoner has a different interpretation. As time goes by, one of the prisoners breaks free of his chains. And the prisoner, you know, goes outside and is immediately blinded by the light. And this prisoner sees, you know, what all these objects were when, when you know, he was trapped and imprisoned in this cave. And he, he looks and he sees the sun and that sun is, of course, the originator of the light that provides for, for those shadows. And he goes goes back to tell the prisoners of what all the objects that he's seen, that they, how they were all wrong, and in, in fact, that he had seen the truth. And the prisoners violently respond. They, they you know, vehemently disagree. And I, I think it's important 
that you know the the people you know are are know know about about history because those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it right but more more so that we really look at the lessons and the allegories of of what our ancestors you know try to teach us and the the truth the fact of the matter is is that covid-19 coronavirus sars covid-2 whatever you want to call it is a amoral microorganism this is not the first first microorganism that has called epidemic pandemic level threats to the human race however this is should not be a political issue the entire the entire basis of public health and public health response is essentially the greater good we have countries like Singapore, South Korea, Germany, New Zealand, and Australia. These are first world countries that have been able to, in essence, defeat this virus as of uh, May. Whereas here in the United States, we're really still combating. We're really still on that front part of the curve. And it's even more concerning how... We are the envy of the world. We were rated to be the the most prepared for a pandemic, yet we're still battling. We're still even, you know, trying to get our hands around it. Uh, I think the the number, if I'm not mistaken, is now more than eighty thousand. Uh, if not, yeah. Uh, I've got an article right here. The United States surpasses 80,000 COVID-19 deaths. And it, it's it's heartbreaking. Like, that is not something at all to ever cherish or brag about. Because they're, you know, at, at first, when I did the Four Horsemen uh, podcast, you know, I, I, I felt this very sanguine, very sobering moment where guys this this is going to get bad like this is this is a a virus that is highly infectious and if we you know we don't do anything now uh, the the consequences will be dire and it's what what's been perversed is essentially goodwill and people not being able to recognize that you know quarantining is is one absolutely essential uh, in any in any infectious disease it is absolutely essential the united states from the get go did not take effective measures to ensure that covid-19 and coronavirus wasn't as bad as it is and the thing is, is if we're being honest, the White House has not been at the forefront of fighting this virus. And it's important to state that because on one hand, you have people say, oh, well, you know, Donald Trump, he, he closed down the border to China. Uh, you know, therefore, he, you know, he took a stand, he took action. And then, you know, they'll go on to say, um, you know, the, the uh, mainstream media, you know, said that was racist, y yada, 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 right? And the thing is, is from a rational perspective, and I like to think of myself as a, as a rational observer, is that, one, I'm not the mainstream news, I'm not the mainstream media, um, it, that's a very false equivalency. I, the, the second thing is that with a, a pandemic, um, one, knowing that he was notified in January, uh, we, we had a, a full month to, to prepare, to, uh, to really garner, you know, the community, the business community to make more masks, to make more gowns, face shields, gloves, uh, respirators. And none of that was done. It was a, a train 
that we could see a month away coming towards us and we, we did nothing. And so from my perspective, it was not surprising that it was as bad as in New Orleans, as in New York, as in New Jersey, as in um, Washington. And that created this this entire you know catastrophe of a response. A the the thing about globalism is when you hear that term, I think you you have to understand where the person speaking of globalism is coming from, because typically you know when people speak of the globalists, they 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 say it in a very negative connotation, and in is whether that is deserved or undeserved i think is f- from you the the listener the the, the thing is is a virus uh, is a the thing about viruses and especially in global pandemics is that global pandemics require a a global response and with the rise in nationalism that we've seen since 2015 since 2016 um, or even perhaps beforehand, is that th- no one country can solve this alone. And, it, you know, and I, I recorded a, a podcast called Secret War, and it's uh, between the secret war between, you know, the United States and the People's Republic of China. And essentially, you, you know, globalism is a double-edged sword. Because one, it affects the self-sufficiency of certain nations. You, you know, I've heard this example of uh, imagine if we went to war with China, and China was manufacturing our bullets. You know, you can imagine the problems with that. Same same problem right now, to where you know since the Reagan administration, we've completely gutted the American middle class and working class by, you know, completely increasing wealth inequality, dissolving labor unions, and increasing the and concentrating wealth at the upper echelons. And it's, you know, honestly no fault of our own. Most Americans don't vote for their interests, and that's the truth. And it's it's sad. It's it's absolutely sad because now in a time where together, being together and unified is even more important, we are even farther divided because we, we, we have a divider in chief. It's, he, he stoked the divisions in his 2014-2015 campaign, and it's, it's, it's not surprising seeing how you, know, you have people literally pointing uh, I saw a video clip of uh, Joe Rogan critiquing um, the uh, press secretary of her response to a uh, question from the White House press corps. And essentially, uh, the, the White House pre- uh, press secretary was asked, hey, you know, Donald Trump said that he had his uh, uh, coronavirus under control. We're now at 70,000 deaths as of the time of the recording of that. Um, do you wish to walk, uh, walk that back? I may, I may be paraphrasing it wrong, but and essentially she said, you know, um, let's, uh, well, what about, you know, Vox? What about the New York Times, you know, saying that the flu kills more than coronavirus? What about, um, you know, whatever media source? And Mike drops and walks off, you know, stage. The thing about that is, is, is one, is that people are, are, are so short-sighted to see, okay, the media is, isn't the president. The media does not have executive authority and powers to actually make broad changes and especially combating a pandemic. And that's alarming. That's, that's very alarming. And, you know, the thing about... The, the that reporter asking that question was that reporter trying to to get the press secretary into a gotcha moment? You know, I'll I'll concede absolutely, but the, the the fact of the matter is is that you know Donald Trump really did drop the ball. 
and anyone that that claims that 80,000 deaths is success is is delusional is what reality are are you in that that you can't see that every you know we have fumbled the response every step of the way that our America first policy has left America alone. That when the world would look to America for answers, they, they no longer do. It's, it's absolutely alarming. And if we look at, you know, history as any, any guide, that it, it, it shows us that it does not tolerate society and, and global societies do not tolerate power vacuums. And right now, it's 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 more so. You know, I mentioned that we we talk about the war drums beating. It's more alarming that you know Mike Pompeo going on Fox News and saying coronavirus was a a uh, a bioweapon made in a lab in Wuhan. At first, you know, I would concede that is. Is that so far out of the realm that that could be true? Because if we're being honest as well, the Chinese government is by far no means the most transparent country in the world. It's, it's, it would be absurd for, for anyone to claim that China did a, a great job in preventing this pandemic. But at the same time, at, at this moment in time, I, I can't agree that their their death count, their mortality rate is only 80,000. That, that would be absurd, and it would uh, the credulity that I hold would would disappear, right? But on the other hand, the draconian quarantines that they enacted and enabled, if, if we do give them the credence that even their their mortality, even their mortality rates being what they are, uh, oh, you know, actually, that 80,000 were only infected, not 80,000 had died. If I'm being honest, that number is probably uh, around 80,000, 100,000 deaths. If, you know, we're talking of videos online of showing literally Chinese police welding people in their homes or the opposite of them pulling those who are inspect, uh, suspected of being infected out and disappearing them entirely. And, you know, those things are alarming. But Occam's razor tells us the, the answer that, that is the more probable answer is the answer. And that is that this virus is a zoonic disease that jumps species from a bat to humans. It, it that that seems to be the more probable answer. And in this case, it's like we're trying to to play the blame game that we're trying to point the finger away from our own failings. And it the, the thing that we as Americans need to be able to do more is self-reflection, being able to look at our failings and being able to critique them because it is not political to criticize your government. In fact, it is patriotic because when, when you see what your country can do better, ultimately, it hopefully leads to that, that change. And us trying to point the finger at the Chinese government, even though that they do share blame, they share much blame. It does not help the current state of affairs that 80,000 Americans have lost their life and hundreds of thousands of individuals are mourning those people dead and that we're still on the upswing of the curve and yet we're reopening economies, including, you know, my home, Texas. And it's it's crazy. You know, I'm, you know, on my Snapchat or Instagram, I, I'm seeing people at parties, I'm seeing people out shopping, uh, that they that they're making a political statement by not wearing a mask, and it's it's like you know the cognitive dissonance is is so alarming that 
it, it's the, the the conflict, the incoming and impending conflict be, between each other here in America is honestly almost inevitable. You know, we we have we've been fighting amongst ourselves and we're more wary of our neighbors than we really are of, you know, say a a shadowy them or they um and I'm referring of course to, you know, early in the 1970s and 80s it was really easy to point to, you know, the Soviet Union as as the enemy. And now when in in all actuality we don't trust each other. Uh, and I and I think that really brings us to, you know, the next problem. Because while this pandemic is raging, you know, a, another problem has come to its head. And, and you know, the, the murder of uh, Ahmad Arbery, I, I think I, I, I keep getting his name, his last name wrong, you know, Rest in Paradise. And it's, it's funny, back when I, I had first started, uh, the, the first podcast I had done, it was over uh, Colin Kaepernick and the, the kneeling that he did uh, in, in regards to... Um, the uh, racial injustice of uh, blacks being uh, black Americans being arrested more and uh, brutalized by police officers. And the, the thing is, if, if we're being honest, you know, that we, we have to take an anthropological and historical lens to really observe uh, what what is really you know going on and ever since the emancipla- emancipation of slaves we really never addressed our original sin of slavery under reconstruction us as americans in 1877 we abandoned reconstruction we abandoned the the ideals of of what it is to be equal among each other and it, it, I, I find it absolutely ironic that if, if you had been paying attention to the news, that in Michigan, uh, armed men, armed white men with AR-15s stormed the Capitol. And I, I'd asked my brother, um, I was like, hey, you know, if, if any of y'all have seen me, when I grow my beard out, I, I look uh, Arabic. I Anytime I'm on an airplane, um, I, I, I always, through TSA, for some reason, I'm randomly searched, you know, 10 out of 10 times, right? Uh, but my brother and I are darker, and I, and I asked him, you know, if we were to approach the Austin Capitol with our AR-15s and military garb, would we be shot or at the very least arrested? And the, the thing is, absolutely we would. And it, it's, it's absolutely, it is so, again, defeating. It is so, so upsetting that, that a, a, a man, Maude Arbery, couldn't even step outside his home and go for a run, that he was not afforded the same due process that his murder murderers are being afforded right now, that they took it upon themselves to give frontier justice, that what their perf- perverted, twisted idea of justice was to murder a man. And, and I, I think that's, you know, it's a sobering moment because... The, the thing about coronavirus is the handling of it has been absolutely immoral and reprehensible, reprehensible, but the virus itself is an amoral being. It doesn't care about your skin color. It doesn't care about your political affiliation. It doesn't care about where you were born or where you're from. It doesn't care about whether you're rich or poor. But it kills it's killed tens of thousands, and it, it's honestly the numbers themselves. I had said once the number, the infection rate has spread over 100,000 that for most people it would be incomprehensible. It would be, become so amb- ambiguous, so vague, that they, they can't comprehend what 100,000 people or what 
you know, a million people infected really looks like, that they, they can't conceptualize that number. And as the, the numbers go up, it's only going to get worse, that they're going to dehumanize the statistics themselves because statistics are inherently dehuman. They are inherently inhuman. And in contrast to the, the murder of Mr. Arbery is that these immoral beings decided that they would dole out their justice. I mean, when I found out about this story, it, 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 you know, it breaks my heart uh, because, you know, growing up in Texas, the last state to emancipate slaves, the, the last state to desegregate, it, that, you know, in 2020, you know, we're still dealing with this. I was... Uh, was talking to my mom earlier on the phone and you know she had said the same thing she was like wow i thought we were in 2020 and it, it i think her perspective and my 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 um, grandmother's perspective and my auntie emma's perspective are I- I- extremely relevant and important and that they lived through racism they lived through segregation people are under this this veil that racism has been over uh that you know is dead it is is not here in the united states when in fact that is the complete utter opposite that my mother grew up in a segregated high school my my grandmother was subject to the jim crow south that my my ancestors were slaves. I I find you know this disillusion even more perverse and pervasive when you know if if we look at Charlottesville, that oh hey you know there these are just you know men that are disgruntled when in, when in fact the, these men were were Nazis literally Nazis, and that. Even Robert E. Lee himself, because if you know when we're talking about Charlottesville, we have to you know reframe that the Charlottesville protest or march was over the destruction and taking down of the Confederate statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee, and I find it ironic that Robert E. Lee even said himself that he that there should not be statues of of him. It is it is ironic, it is disgusting, and it is hilarious that that people try to make a moral equivalency of Nazis versus those fighting Nazis. There there is no moral equivalency between the two. On on one part, you, you have people who literally believe that they are better, that they are superior. To those based off their skin color. And the other is is fighting to disprove that. And I, I just. I find it. You know. Again. Going back to cognitive distant, dissonance. That the reality we are living in. Is increasingly becoming. Uh, very. Very conflicting. Because the the more information that there is out there, the more it can be twisted and the more that it can be twisted to fit perspectives. And the the time it takes to undo misinformation is honestly futile because the damage has already been done. And I think... You know, that's why, you know, I started this podcast on May 9th, but now it's May 10th, and it's 12.01. And as of May 10th, you know, we're dealing with a, a complete, a complete catastrophe of, of information because nobody knows what to believe anymore. Nobody knows or even wants to, to believe what is true 
because it doesn't fit their perspective. That people don't understand that in times of pandemics, that quarantines are necessary, that contact tracing is necessary. Because public health philosophy is of the greater good. And it has to to balance what is what what way is, you know, more, you know, people dying or you know, economic hardship or individual autonomy. You know, it it's these are hard conversations that us as Americans, us, you know, I, I think the the American perspective right now is is in in balance it is one it, or or is becoming unbalanced in that us as americans are going to have to weigh what we value more because uh, th- this is shown not only myself but i imagine many of you what what our value systems are Throughout the quarantine, you know, that, that first part, you know, there in March, uh, March and April, I I had, you know, stayed busy, you know, reading books, um, writing podcasts, and I, um, you know, became more defeated. And I, I think, you know, lions shouldn't concern themselves with the opinions of sheep, right? But more defeated that my my fellow patriots are you know they're they're lost that they're there's you know karens i'm gonna call them karens that there's literally karens at, at protests with you know signs of of that this quarantine is is equivalent to slavery how how absurd how absurd to to compare you, inconveniencing you to the disenfranchise, disenfranchisement and expatriation of millions of Atlantic slaves to to you having to sit in your house with your laptop, with your computer, with your cell phone, with delivery apps like Instacart, like HEB, to being worked to death and and i think i i even saw it as far as them comparing it to um concentration camps <laughs> I, and i laugh because that that's absolutely absurd it's it, it, it's so absurd that that quarantining is literally being compared to the systematic murder of group groups of people it, for for me, I, I think you know the the topics of racial injust racial injustice and the pandemic you know coincide with each other because in history we we see that events are you know the culmination of micro events and microcosms in that you know for instance World War One and World War Two didn't have a single cause there were multiple causes. With the pandemic, what I what I think makes it more immoral and more more disgusting is is that you know here in the twenty first century we have the knowledge and we have the resources to prevent something like it as at scale. We have pitted states against each other in a bidding war for personal protective equipment. There, there's, you know, there's a story of um, essentially a local official having to go to a Walmart or no, a McDonald's parking lot. She had to drive 126 miles uh, there in Illinois to a McDonald's parking lot to hand a check for three million dollars for a supplier of personal protective equipment. And the richest country in the world that officials are having to essentially commit drug deals to protect their workers, to protect their constituents. We are the wealthiest nation in the history of the world, people. How disgusting and absurd is it 
that we have essentially come down to healthcare workers and frontline workers having to wear trash bags, having to wear bandanas, having to, to, to resort to third world guerrilla style tactics. It, it, it is, it is mind boggling. It is, it is, it, it should anger people. It should anger us all. Heads should roll after this. And that, you know, with, with the information that we have is that, you know, in, 18, in 1843 or in 14th century, up until recently, modern medicine really isn't so modern, if you, if you think about it. Up until, you know, 200 years ago, we, we really gave credence to, you know, bubonic plagues and to, to plagues in general as the wrath of angry gods. When Yersinia pestis, the bacterium, was really the culprit. And, you know, through the serendipitous, you know, uh, finding of penicillin, you know, we've really made advancements leaps and bounds. And, and now it, it is hard for me to say, it is hard for me to say that our, our, our health care system here in the United States is equipped to deal with the problem at hand. And I say that because a for-profit health care system is inherently and philosophically ill-equipped to deal with a pandemic because at the basis of for-profit health care is profit motive. It is not profitable to have an excess of beds or an excess of equipment to deal with patients coming in with sickness. And, you know, we're going to have to ask ourselves after this, you know, what do we value? You know, you have millions of Americans now that are unemployed, that have lost their health care system, or they've lost their health care insurance, and are, you know, the cost of of coronavirus treatment is upwards of $30,000. And essentially, we're holding, you know, I, I find it ironic. We, we, we uh, the, the media, um, you know, uh, has been playing, uh, I see advertisements from Kroger, from Amazon, from Walmart, thinking they're heroes. And, you, you know, the, the amount that they spend on the, these commercials, why don't you just fucking pay your, your workers more? Seriously, they, they, the amount, the, the campaign that, you know, they, they've spent could go towards those frontline workers. If they cared about them so much, pay them more. We, we're holding them hostage, essentially, because if they don't work, they're going to they're gonna lose their apartment. They're going to lose their house. They're going to lose their car. They're not going to be able to buy food. But if they do work... They're possibly infecting themselves with one of the most infectious diseases in mankind. They're 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 putting themselves at risk. They're putting their families at risk. They're putting their friends at risk. It, it's it's absolutely almost honestly nonsensical that the answer is so blatantly clear. But I think at this point we we can't we can't make those hard changes to society because it, 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 it affects the, the God that, you know, we all worship now, the, the Dow Jones, that the stock market is doing fine, yet we have the largest unemployment in U.S. history. That, that, should, tell you, that should tell you enough. That should tell you what American values really were all along, it, that, that we— that we lost that sense of of unity that nationalism isn't us versus them it is us together the the, the, I, the I think the idea of nationalism has been been twisted and perverted by regimes of the past like Nazi Germany when at one time 
us as Americans, we wanted to better the world. We wanted to better ourselves. Because when the lowest of us does good, we all do good. But we lost that. We lost that along the way. And I, I think we're, we're on a hard, long road to, to getting that back. The, the entire philosophy of public health is, again, on the basis of the greater good. And at one point in history, we had the tools to prevent this. We had the resources to prevent this. We've known for coronaviruses since their, their discovery in 1950. We've known of infectious diseases and what we have to do. But yet we continually outsource our manufacturing. We continually outsource everything. We've outsourced you know, what it is to be American. And I, I you know, we had some, we, 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 we had the ability to prevent this. And I, I find it disgusting, and I think you should find it disgusting as well, that because it wasn't profitable, we didn't do anything about it. Because it, it was easier to make a simplistic explanation, we don't look at the science, that a man that happens to be black, and there have been break-ins in my area, and he's running along, jogging, working out, we assume that he was the one that committed the crime. Americans need to take a very hard look at themselves, a very hard look at themselves, of what they want to be, what they want the world to be, because the way we're going is not sustainable, it is unethical, and it's, it's disgusting. We've had the largest transfer of wealth of $5 trillion, $5 trillion. You know, if, if let me put it in perspective to you how much that is, how much even a trillion is. If I told you a, a thousand seconds ago was 17 minutes, that means that let's, let's go up two powers of 10. That that's, a million seconds is the equivalent of 12 days. Well, what about a billion? A billion is 32 years. And a trillion is 32,000 years. That's how much that is. A thousand seconds is 17 minutes. A million seconds is 12 days. A billion seconds is 32 years. And a trillion seconds is 32,000 years. 32,000 years. If we even go back, you know, a few thousand years ago, that, that was, you know, the, the pyramids were being built. If we go farther back 10,000 years, the civilization that first started when, in France, we, if we go back, you know, a, a trillion, there, there is no... <laughs> That that's that just that blows blows my mind. It absolutely blows my mind. So, y'all, I, I I'm committing to doing this once a week. And to listeners, if um, if you want to come on the show, um, shoot me an email: undonepodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at uh, William underscore undone. I'm committing to to doing this once a week, uh, just because I, I think it's important. Because the the bystander effect is 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 more dangerous now than ever. If we allow uh, fake news and the these horrible ideas, and if you know I don't say something about them, if you don't say something about them, then. It, we're doing nothing to better the human condition. So y'all, I will see y'all this next week. 
Uh, stay safe. Stay healthy. I wish you well. Um, but yeah. Night. It's all over but the crying. And I can't get.